We give God all the praise, all the honor, all the glory because it belongs to him. Amen? Amen. Y'all not going to talk to me today, but I'm going to talk to you. That's okay because y'all know I like to talk back. So for those who don't know me, first-time guests and visitors, my name is Carlton Coleman, and I'm one of the worship leaders here at New Community Covenant Church. For those who do know me and are a little confused as to what's going on, I'm just going to give you a few minutes to let it all sink in. Okay, because I feel like some of you are looking at me like this. Right. And then for those of you who are like, what the hell? I'm going to give you a few minutes. And then for that small sect who said, why did he say hell in church? Hell is a very real place. So it's okay. We can say that here. And if you've ever had something called a circus peanut, those orange like marshmallow cans, that's hell on earth. That is hell. They're disgusting. My family and I were just talking about them at Christmas. Nasty. Thank you, Lori. They are nasty. So anyways, I'm so excited to be bringing the word to you today. So grateful for the opportunity. Uh, when Pastor Zox and Caitlin asked me, I guess it was probably about four months ago, if I would preach the word, I immediately said yes. And so I have to be honest, it's probably been about 13, 14 years, right, Mom? About 13, 14 years since I, uh, since I preached last. So grant a brother a little bit of grace this morning, you know, uh, as God does the same for me. Um, I'm grateful my parents are here from Rockford, Illinois. So grateful for Mom and Pops being here. Yeah. And my cousin, Mike, who texted me late last night, I put a Facebook uh, post out and said, just pray for your boy tomorrow. And he was like, where and what time? I'll be there in the morning. That's how you know people got your back, right? And my man, thank you. He and his lovely wife. And then uh, two guests who are here who I will not mention, but they know who they are. And I'm so grateful for their presence. I'm so grateful for their love, their support, their prayers, and they know exactly who they are. So uh, as the old Baptist preachers used to say, I'm not Baptist. I was born and raised Pentecostal, and we can be very long-winded. Uh, but the Baptists, they like to say, I will not be before you long, and I won't. It is 1035, and I'm going to try to keep this thing under a half hour, okay? I'm not trying to put any time limits on the Holy Spirit. I make no mistake about that. But I know that's, is it today the Bears game? I mean, okay. Anyways, so uh, about three months ago, it was monthly prayer, Right? And, uh, and anybody know, who knows me know that prayer is like, uh, is like breathing from me. It's like drinking water. You know, it is necessary. And so at one of these monthly prayer gatherings, we had uh, somebody new attend for the first time. And God bless her. Uh, she went around. She introduced herself. And uh, we did the same. And when it got to me, she stopped me and she said, oh, see, see, everybody knows who you are. And I was like, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, three quarters of you don't even know what my middle name is. And I'm not going to share that today, but I'm just saying you don't know that. You also don't know that I manage a team of project managers anywhere between 6 to 12, depending on the time of the year, who handle large gas installations for a large natural gas company. I bet you all didn't know that. Somebody asked me last year, CC, what's your last name? He certainly didn't know who I was, you know. So... I thought that I would give you a little history as to who I am, you know, uh, just kind of a getting to know you, getting to know all about you, that, that sort of thing. And I figure if I go back maybe about 20, 25 years, that will bring you to 
the place where I am. And I'm going to do it in like five-year increments. So uh, much like most of you, I grew up in a very strong, very loving Christian home. I was raised by my grandparents, grandma and grandpa. My mom and I lived there until she married my pops, my stepdad, uh, right before I turned 12. They've been married 31 years this year. They just made 31, so thank God for them. Um, Fast forward to the age of 20. At the age of 20, sophomore in college, I met three friends at the time uh, who I would go on to sign a major record recording deal with them, a Christian music recording deal. Uh, We toured with the likes of everybody, uh, a Grammy nomination, won a couple of Dove Awards, and like it was pretty amazing, right? Five years later, at 25, I quit said band, you know, because not all bands have longevity, you know, that's what it is. I was home in my hometown of Rockford serving as a minister of music uh, for my home church, Washington Park Christian Church. I remember my 25th birthday. It was a Sunday. That morning, I had ministered, you know, in terms of... uh, leading worship. That afternoon at a 3.30 service, I preached. And then that night, I actually emceed a massive choir concert of a church there in Rockford, Illinois. And I remember being on this spiritual high at 25. It was one of the best days of my life. A short five years later, I was completely in the valley. Now, some of y'all have heard my testimony before. And if you want to know that, you can come to me afterwards or send me a text or something and I'll, uh, I'll share it with you. But I was completely backslidden at 30 sleeping all around, having sex with anybody who would and anybody who could. And somewhere between 30 and 35, God had grace and he had mercy. How many know that God has grace and mercy? And it extends to all of us, right? So at 35, I made one of the hardest decisions, but one of the best decisions of my life. Can one of you guess what it was? 35, 10 years ago. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. New community. I came to new community. I moved to Chicago and, uh, and started attending New Community Covenant Church. I remember having the conversation with my mother, who was in tears. I was in tears because I had been at my home church my entire life. And so her baby, her one and only, was leaving. And that was hard for me, too. But I knew that God had something for me here. Attending here 10 years ago, I'm telling you, it has changed my life. It has given me relationships that I know will last for a lifetime. It has strengthened me spiritually in ways that I can't even begin to verbalize to you. Five years later, at 40, I was uh, on a high again. Uh, My mother said, I think we want to have a 40th birthday party. And I said, ain't nobody going to come to my 40th birthday party. She said, yes, they will. You invite whoever you want to from Chicago, and we'll invite the Rockford contingent. 146 people showed up to that thing. That was a Negro spiritual if I'd ever heard one. It was incredible. I'm telling you, it was incredible. People laughed, they cried, they celebrated, they ate chicken wings. I mean, it was was beautiful. It was really beautiful. And then 45, this year hit, and it's almost like all hell broke loose, and I'll tell you why in just a little bit. We'll get to that. What we're going to talk about today is time and faith, and One of the reasons, faith and time, time and faith, one of the reasons I want to talk about that as we go into the end of the year here, just coming out of the season of Advent, 
we want to celebrate going into the new year. And I just kind of want to recap the last few weeks for some of those who haven't been here. So uh, the first Sunday, Pastor Mark spoke to us about uh, hope and the kind of hope where you can stand in the storm and stand up against anything. And then the second Sunday, Mark spoke on the peace and God fighting for our peace. God fights for our peace. And I don't know if who was here that Sunday, but Mark made this funny funny analogy, this comment about dragons. Do you guys remember that? I mean, it was hilarious. Now, I watched too much Game of Thrones, so I just happened to be infatuated with dragons right about now, but he literally gave the picture of Revelations where the dragon is standing at the edge of the sea ready to devour the baby, and then he says, now stick that in your nativity scene. And I don't know why that was so funny to me. Can you imagine a dragon right next to the baby Jesus? I couldn't. So uh, after that, the third Sunday, uh, Hannah Kim spoke on joy and finding joy when we take our place in God's story. The gospel is what that is. And then last Sunday, Pastor Caitlin spoke about love and how God sent his only son that he loved us so much. <clears throat> and this Sunday, I want to speak to you about faith and time. I'm going to come out of a very... Uh, very famous passage of scripture here, one that is really, really familiar. My prayer is that you would see the humanity in it, that you would find yourself somewhere in it, that the Holy Spirit would unpack it for us, and that we would be changed when we leave here. So if you would, uh, go with me to the Gospel of Mark, the fifth chapter, 25th through the 34th verse. And if you don't have it, uh, you can look up on here on this fancy new screen that we have, which I love and so grateful for. So, it says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. Come on, somebody. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt and heard that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that the power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the throngs and the multitude, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, and you will be healed of your affliction. So the truth is, we all have afflictions. While we may not be bleeding naturally, I can tell you that some of us are bleeding emotionally. We're bleeding mentally. We're bleeding spiritually, financially. Like, there is something that we all have these issues with. And God said, just one touch. One touch is all you need. One touch now, granted, it's a supernatural touch. It's not a touch that's going to come from your pastor, from one of your friends, from your sister girl, from your boyfriend. That supernatural touch to dry that thing up will only come from Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on, let us pray. Father, we give you thanks, praise, honor, and glory. I ask that you would increase, that I may decrease, that your words may be heard. Let it be like manna falling from heaven and feed us this day, O oh God. Let it be like fire shut up in our bones that we may experience and feel you in a real and powerful way. We give this time to you now. We love you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. So this pastor of scripture is both transformative and powerful as well as it is relevant for today. 
because it speaks to this woman's condition of these 12 long years and how in an instant her faith followed by immediate action changed the whole course of her life, right? So when we look at faith and time, a lot of times when we're struggling, a lot of times when we have issues, a lot of times when all hell is breaking loose, we look for a quick fix. Like we want it right now, right now, right now. And for whatever reason, when God doesn't move immediately, then we start doing this. Looking to the right, looking to the left. How can I fix this thing? And I'm not really sure why it is we think that we can help the savior of the universe as if he needs our help, right? The architect of all of this, the architect of life, but we think, God, I can do this. Like, I've got this better than you. And God is like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and let you do it. Go ahead, here you go, yeah. And then when we bump our heads, when we fall down, when we break our necks, then we kind of have this, um, what I like to call Psalms 51 posture, created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Casting out. That's boring. Get that out of here. It is. It's boring. And I'll tell you why it's boring. Because the truth is, tears don't move God. Tears and a repentant heart does. God is looking for a heart change. He doesn't just want our emotions. He wants all of it. And that is the only way that it happens. And that's what happened with this woman with the issue of blood. It says that she was at the end of herself. 12 years. Now, granted, I'm no doctor. I'm not. My sister is a nurse practitioner, and I actually called her and asked her about this. And she was like, bro, bro, I don't know. That was like, like 2,000 years ago, so I have no idea. what." And I was like, a lot of help you are, all that schooling that you got. That's what I said to her. But I said, I'm pretty sure that she should have died, right? But for whatever reason, God kept her alive. And I think it was to teach us here that even after all that time, even though we can struggle for so long, even though we can go through hell for so long, even though we fight for so long, that God says, in an instant, you can be changed. Your life can be changed immediately. Something else I want to say about new community. So when we talk about this faith and time thing, for those who have been here over the last several months, we've gone through something, right? Now, I'm not going to, or I'm not a fan of uh, sharing stuff in what we call mixed company, because I know we have some first-time guests, so I won't lay all of our stuff bare, but I will just say that we've been through it here. But let me tell you something. There are some people who stepped out on faith during this season and said, God, for you I live and for you I will die, and I will do whatever I can to make sure that this church keeps going, right? I'm going to get one clap. That's it. Really? Because the truth is, if you have been here, if you're a member here and you've been here, you have seen the supernatural power of God move in ways that it has not moved in a very long time. If you have not seen that, you've either blind or you've not been looking. A lot of this stuff has happened in the spirit realm is where it's happening. In the heavenlies is where it's happening. But sometimes we like to look with these natural eyes and we miss everything. Thank God for the leadership team. I like to call Mark DeLue Mr. President. I mean, no, 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 for real. This man has been up against some stuff this year. And you best believe that his faith probably wavered a couple times. But like Jesus said to Peter, or Simon says, that your faith would remain steadfast. Like his faith was steadfast. 
the entire leadership team, the staff, the AI group, the spiritual formation group. I could go on and on and on. These are people whose faith was activated immediately when they saw a need. And they said, God, you are at work here. It says, you have not left us. You have not forsaken us, which is what your word says. One of my favorite scriptures, and I think it applies to our church, is he who's began a good work is faithful to complete it. Thank God for Peter Hong. Look, celebrate the man of God. Thank God for Peter Hong. You can give him a hand clap. Because God gave him a vision some 16 years ago, and that thing is still carrying out, still being carried out. So we thank God for his faithfulness. Something else about the woman with the issue of blood. Has anyone ever noticed that she doesn't have a name? Right? Not Connie, not Sue. Not Sally, not, you know, those, I don't even know why I picked those names, but those were not her, those are not her names. But she was simply known by her condition, bleeding from the inside, chronically, constantly, continually, suffering all day, every day. And that's what she was known as. And sometimes that's like us, right? We have these issues and we like to be known for people with those issues. We like to play that role like, this is what I suffer with, and this is just who I am. The devil is a lie. That is not who you are, and you don't have to be held in bondage to that. That is not true at all. God says, that is not your name because I want to give you a new name. But the only way that it can happen is a supernatural what? Touch from the Lord. He wants to change that. He wants to change all of that. So I also have to mention that during this time in history, the woman would have been considered what was called ceremonially unclean, meaning that she couldn't be around anyone. She couldn't have normal, healthy communal relationships, whether it was a husband or kids or anything. She had been cut off for many years, no family, no friends, and she had become isolated relationally. Uh, if you would, pull up the uh, Leviticus chapter 15, 25, James. And it simply says... Yeah, I didn't have that, so I'm going to read that right here. When a woman has a discharge of her blood for many days, though it is not the time of her menstruation, or if she has a discharge beyond her period, she will be unclean all the days of her unclean discharge as she is during the days of said menstruation. That means that any time after that period, she is unclean. What that also means is when she was in the crowd, when she was pressing to try to get to Jesus, anyone that she touched, anyone that she came into contact with, anyone's hand that she held, whatever it was, they also became unclean. Why is that significant to us? Because anytime we're going through a problem, anytime we have issues, those around us closest to us become affected by exactly what's happening with us too. A lot of times we like to think it's just ourselves. The enemy is real cunning and crafty to make us think like this is just you going through this but that is a lie from the pit because because of who we are by nature of the way that God has created us to be in community because we don't operate in silos those around us and closest to us also get impacted they also begin to bleed they also begin to hurt something that I love that Peter Hong used to say that um, to be known is to be fully loved, right? To be fully known is to be fully He says that all the time. He says that all the time. And what that means is when we're in community with people, we have to be transparent. People have to know the real us, the whole us. And part of that means when we come into contact with some of those folks, that issue, that issue that we have, we have to lay that bare. They become impacted. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his healing. Thank God for his deliverance. Thank God for his covering. Thank God for all of those things. 
where the Lord says, he who is set free by the son is free indeed. Free indeed, right? So there's a verse. There's a verse that I want to read when we talk about, uh, or I'm sorry, I want to go back to verse uh, 26. And it says that uh, she had suffered many things from many physicians and spent all she had. She was no better, but grew worse. This means that she was not only isolated from both the relationship, but she was also isolated financially and from her resources. The reason I want to focus on this is because that portion of scripture says that she suffered many things from many physicians. What that means for us is a lot of times, and I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, is we want to go to every single body except for the one who can fix it all, right? As if in our infinite wisdom, you know, we can fix whatever the problem is. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1:18 and 19 says, the wise of this world are on their way to destruction because the scriptures declare that God will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will frustrate the plans of the self-styled intelligence. Let me tell you this. God does not care about your smarts. He doesn't. Not at all. He cares about your heart. That's what he wants. One time Peter asked me, he said, Cece, what do you think is one of the things that we struggle with here at New Community? And I simply said to him, and this is no shade to anybody, you know, or your education or your PhDs or anything like that. I said, but we are a church of academics. I said, it's a very, very cerebral church. And I said, and unfortunately, half those cerebral folks approach their faith from that point. Right? I'm going to let that sit with you for just a second. That's how we try to approach God instead of this here. And so when you're bleeding in here, when you're struggling in here, when you're dying in here, this is not going to get it. It's this. That's when you then go back to Psalms 51, create in me a clean whole God. Renew a right spirit within me. God does not care about your head. He wants a heart. That's what he's looking for. So when the enemy comes in our isolation, tries to make us think that we're the only ones with that issue, the Lord reminds him that I will never leave them. I will never forsake them. They are mine. I am theirs. They belong to me. We've been bought and paid for and purchased with a price. When Jesus died on that cross over 2,000 years ago, that sealed the deal. Like that was it. So anything that we're bleeding with, anything that we're struggling with, whether it's 12 minutes or 12 years, God said it is under the blood. It has been put under the blood. The blood has been shed for that issue. So you don't have to carry that anymore. You don't have to be identified by that anymore. That does not have to be your name anymore. He says, you are mine. You belong to me. You've been bought and paid for with the price. The, this woman had been dying on the inside, but from the outside, she looked just like everybody else in the crowd, right? Like nobody noticed. There was, the Bible doesn't speak of anything physically where they could have seen anything. And when she was gathered there in the crowd, no one said anything to her. She was just going to Jesus. And we can be like that. We can literally be going through hell on the inside. When they on the outside, we try to make it like we're just fine. You know, you ask your friends, and I know many of you had this conversation before because I have, when you say things like, so how are you? What's going on? Oh, I'm fine. There's nothing happening. I'm good. Lies. Lies. That's lies from the pit of hell, you know. Let me tell you something. If you get in the spirit and you pray for a spirit of discernment, you can see right through that. You can see right through that. 
If you're going to be in real community and real relationship with people, don't you want them to know who you are? Don't you want them to know when you are struggling and when you need help, when you go through? A couple of weeks ago, I got a text message from a, a good friend, and I won't mention, won't mention who it is, but I got a text message from a good friend, and it was, uh, it was on a Monday. It was a Monday before Christmas, uh, a week before Christmas. And the individual said, do you have any time tonight? Do you have any time to talk, spend time together? I just need to talk. And surprisingly, I didn't have anything going on. The rare time that I didn't have anything going on. And before I could respond, he sent me a text. And he says, I'm really depressed and I need somebody. Now, I hadn't heard from this individual in about six months. Six months. And immediately, I said, yes, absolutely. There are times when we have to make ourselves available for God to use us to be able to minister to others, to be there for others, to be able to share with others, to be able to give a word of comfort to others, a word of healing to others. And the only way we can do that, the only way we can do that is to be real and to be in the Lord. God cannot use us if we're all over the place. He cannot. He cannot. This, that head knowledge that I was talking about earlier, that is not enough. This here has to connect with the Spirit of God in order for God to be able to use you in a powerful and a real way to minister to his people here on earth, his children here on earth, because that's what we're here for. That's why we are here. We are the church. We are here to minister to each other, to encourage each other, to remind each other that we can go on, that we can make it, that we don't have to bleed out for 12 years because we have each other. Come on, somebody. That is the truth. So, as I'm speaking today, I pray that as this word goes forth, you hear the voice of God, that you don't hear CC, that you hear the voice of God, and that this will put you on a road to wholeness. As I begin to wrap up, I want to make just two just very simple practical points to get you towards wholeness. The first is start reading your word. And I'm not talking about with your small groups. That's not enough. No. I'm talking about actually spend some time in your word so you can actually hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. There is no other way to do it. The other thing about reading your word is when the enemy comes in only like a flood, that word is the standard and the banner that God would raise against the devil. That is the only way to fight the supernatural enemy is with the word of God. That's it. That's it. It says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but of power and principalities and spiritual wickedness and high places. This is a supernatural fight for our souls, y'all. It is supernatural. It is not flesh and blood anymore. It is going on in the heavenlies. And the only way that you can do it is with the word of God. The other point, and a real simple one, is an active prayer life. So I know that a lot of times we can be, uh, we can be real lazy and we don't want to get down on our knees. So you don't even have to do that. You don't. Before you get out of bed, and I say this to the worship team many times when we're, when we're rehearsing and I talk about prayer, I said, before my feet even hit the ground, before I get out of bed, I said, oh, God, I thank you. 
Thank you for another day. Thank you for waking me up in the soundness of my mind and my body. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for calling me out of dark into the light. Thank you for another opportunity. Thank you for what you said in Lamentations, which your faithfulness is new every morning. I have another opportunity this morning to get it right. Start with that. I don't own that. You can, do it. You can take that yourself. I think it's Lamentations 3.23. Yeah, just, you can go and read it on your own time. But that's where you can start at. Come on up here, Kevin. So as I'm wrapping up here, because I said I wouldn't be before you long, I do want to talk about this last year of 45. So I turned 45 back in November. And while the birthday itself was great, the year preceding the birthday was not that great. So it started out in February when my pops had a stroke. Uh, I asked many of you to pray for us. Kevin, come to the keys for me, man. I asked many of you to pray for me, and that's what you did, and pray for our family. And I will tell you what, it was touch and go there for a while. It was not easy there for a bit. I remember heading to Rockford, and I got to the hospital, and when I walked into the room, there was death there hovering, and I could see that thing because I've seen it before, so I know what it looks like. And usually when I go into a room, and my mother is there, I always greet her first. And this time I did not greet her first. I went right to my pops, comatose, couldn't speak, leaned right over, leaned right over him. And I said, God, not now. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. Kissed him and just began to pray for him. Took some time, took some time. He's on the road to healing, still getting there. But God said, not so, not just yet. And we're grateful for that. Fast forward a few months later, and I had an issue at work with my boss. And let me say this. While I won't say anything about my boss, I would say, if you love me, pray for me and my boss that we would have a better working relationship because it can be a little tough at times. Something went down with my boss and my peer, and I had to take some time off work. And grateful that I had the kind of job where I could do that. Just a few days before I was to go back to work, that's when it happened. My mother called me. My mother called me on a Monday morning and she said, um, she said, uh, Angie's gone. So Angie is my cousin and not the kind of cousin that you see only in the summertime, you know, or just on holidays, but we grew up together, spending all kind of time together. 43 years old, died in her sleep. Went to bed on a Sunday night, didn't wake up on a Monday morning. Her youngest, 13 years old, found her. And so when my mother told me this, I wasn't even thinking about work anymore. Wasn't thinking about anything else happened. My mind immediately went to Angie. I went to her four kids, 13, 16, 23, 25, and how now their mother is gone. A year prior, about a year and a month prior to her passing away, she called me. And we were very close, airtight, not even air could get between us. And she said, see Coleman? She said, um, she said I'm really struggling. She said, I'm struggling. And, uh, and she was a diabetic. Not a bad one, but she was a diabetic. And she said, it is so bad now with money and our family that Mike, her husband, Mike and I are, we need some help. And so I said, do you need some money? And she was like, um, yes. 
And she said, but there's something else. And I said, what is it? And she says, for the last few days, I've been going to the medicine cabinet and I'll just stare at all those pills. And she said, because I think that that would be easier. And so after I said a few choice words in the spirit, I began to pray in the spirit, in tongues. And I said, not so. I said, that is not what the devil is called. I mean, that is not what God has called you to do. I said, you shall live and not die. You shall live and not die. You shall live and not die. And so after I prayed for her, she called me a few weeks later. I said, thank you. Little did she know that 11 months later, God would call her home. She had no idea. And let me tell you why. Because over that 11-month period, she got in the press. She got in the flow and she touched the hem of his garment and she was made whole. Do you hear me? She was made whole. And God said, it is now time to come home. He said, you can come home now. And while that image of her four kids stretched out over the coffin is seared in my memory, I remember asking the Lord, why? Why? And God said, because it was her time. She was whole. I've called her home. Let me say this to you. I am not saying that that is our expected end. I'm not saying that that is what God has for us. When it's our time, it's our time. It's going to happen. We don't have to hasten that. We don't have to speed that up. While we are here on earth, God says, I want you to be whole. I want you to be well. I want you to be men and women of God, children that I have put here on earth for purpose. You have purpose. You have destiny. I've called you. You have an assignment here. You are mine. God wants us to live life to the fullest for him, right? That's what he does. That's what he wants for us. Come on up here, worship team. While the worship team is coming, I want you all to stand to your feet. Everybody rest on their feet. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just want to spend a little bit of time praying for wholeness. I want to spend a little bit of time just asking God to heal. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just ask, if you need a touch, a supernatural touch from Jesus today, just lift your hands and then put it down. Just if you need a touch today, lift it and put it down. I see you. Go ahead and put it down. If you have been bleeding out spiritually, supernaturally, financially, emotionally, mentally, put your hands up and then put it down. Thank you. I want to pray. Father, you've seen the hands of your children. More than that, God, you've seen their hearts. Father God, you know exactly what it is that we need now. 
So God, by the power of your Holy Spirit and the blood that you shed on Calvary, God, we speak healing right now in the name of Jesus. I command that you go through those issues right now in the mighty name of Jesus and that you would dry it up at the root. Lord, whatever those issues are, God, we speak against them, we bind them, we rebuke them in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. God, we know that you are a healer, you are a protector, you are a comforter, you are a father, you are a master, you are a savior, and you are our king. And so, God, would you be all those things right now and more? Lord, for those who didn't lift their hands, God, you know who they are. Lord, I ask that you would just speak to their hearts right now, Holy Spirit. Sit and rest and dwell there. Give them a spirit of unrest, Lord, until they turn to you. Lord, we belong to you. Would you remind us every day that we belong to you, that you created us, that you made us, and that we are yours, oh God. Would you teach us not to look to the right or to the left, but to look to you always, the author and the finisher of our faith. I humbly ask right now, God, that you seal this in the heavens and that you cover it with your blood. We love you and we praise you. In Christ's name, amen. So as we sing the song of response, it just simply says, he is working all things for our good. Amen. Everything he is working for our good. All that God does for us, it is for our good. 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 Even when that thing hurts, it is for our good. Even when it doesn't feel right, it is for our good. Even when we can't stand it, it's for our good. All things. All things.